they record all my messages. Uh, I put them out on a podcast, so I'll try not to get too crazy here with all this monkeying with everything. Man, I'm excited. Son, we could have preached all through that. What an incredible time of worship. I'm already tired. I, I'm sweating. <laughs> I, I done worked up a water flow here. Man, that was, in, it, it just, it astounds me. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm ever surprised. I don't know why I ever question how God sets things up. But whether you know it or not, <laughs> he set this up today. My goodness. I, um, I did not anticipate being here today. Pastor Sean had uh, really intended on being here. And, and I can tell you, coming from the heart of someone who speaks the word of God, <laughs> he is miserable. Not just because of the sickness. He is miserable because the fire is burning in his heart and he can't do nothing with it but sit on it. I know the feeling. It is not fun. We, uh, we pray that he is restored soon. Uh, I know that he intended to be here today and um, held off as long as he could to, to, before he called for, for backup and called the bullpen and brought in the right-hander. So we, uh, <laughs> I love being on the mound. I love to speak. Um, I, I believe that, that, again, the setup was uh, unreal. I, I, I do a live usually every Sunday morning from my house um, before I come to church. It's usually why I'm late. But, uh, but I, have, I have a ministry, and we put word out, you know, and, and we do all these things. And So last night I'm thinking, man, this is, this is going to be a good weekend. I mean, I'll be able to relax a little bit and chill out. I, I, Rhonda, my wife, is uh, staying with her father uh, in Sepulpa, and I'd gone there Friday and spent the week, evening with them and spent the night and came home yesterday morning and monkeyed around the house and did my chores. <laughs> and then I thought, man, I'm just going to be able to relax a little bit. I'll go back to the office and get my stuff ready for this morning and do my lives, you know. And, 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 and again, God has been just pouring stuff in. And I, I don't know how many of y'all follow me on Facebook, but I write poetry now, too, of all things. It's not something I planned. <laughs> it's something he just started pouring into me. And I, I can't... Stop it. I, I actually, I'm on the way home yesterday, driving down the highway, coming back from Rhonda's, and you ever, y'all that's married, you ever tried to tell somebody how much they mean to you and really can't figure out, I mean, the words just seem too cheap? I dig a hole. You dig a hole. There you go. <laughs> I've done that. I've done that. Well, I, I was kind of thinking along those lines yesterday, you know, and I, and I, and I, I just, I, I've audio texted because I was driving. <laughs> I did. Don't worry about that. But I, um, I just sent her this little text and said, you fill the hole in my heart. So I've been through some struggles. I've had some life challenges. And, and I said that and she responded to me with, you need to turn that into a poem. And apparently, you need to turn that into a poem is the trigger word for getting my mind to start running down trails. So the rest of the way home, I've got all these phrases coming into my mind. As soon as I got home, I said, I wrote a poem yesterday about the hole in my heart. 
And I, I do have a web or a Facebook page that's got that all on it, so if you uh, so choose. But, but anyway, it's, it's funny how God does things because I got in the office and I'm looking at my, my message pile that I have there. And I thought, man, this, this message that I have here today, I was looking at it and I thought, you know, that's really one that I would like to do in a, in a, in a public church setting, not just a live thing, you know. So I set it aside. And I got another one. <laughs> I studied that a little bit, and it was, no weapon shall prosper. Is what I preached last night. I actually did my sermon last night after Pastor Sean called me. Because I had this all planned out for this morning. And he calls me yesterday evening and said, hey, do you mind? I'm like, got it covered. So here this message that I felt like was for a public audience was already sitting there prepared and ready. Isn't that a cool? God just does some crazy stuff. His planning is unreal. What I'm going to bring to you today is called Restorer of Souls. Restorer of Souls. And, and, and I, and I got to tell you, I, I have enjoyed being up here. I, I love this. Not always. Man, sorry about that. Um, not always do the messages that I bring come so heavily. Most of my stuff, I'm talking about duck calls or deer or, you know, something going down a trail or crows and eagles. And, 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 and I like that. I like storytelling. But for whatever reason, and I believe it's because of the time frame that we are in. I believe that we are in a time of urgency within the body of Christ. We have got to get things in order. Not just because he's coming soon, but we got a job to do. <laughs> we got work to do. Anybody know anybody that's lost? We got a job to do. Restorer of souls. Psalms chapter 23, verse 3. This is the King James Version. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, according to the Strong's Concordance, the Hebrew word for restoreth is shuv. It's actually spelled S-H-U-W-B, but it's pronounced S-H-O-O-V-E, shuv. There's actually another pronunciation of it that, that would actually have a different meaning, but it's this particular pronunciation of what's brought in this piece of scripture. It means to, to return or to turn back, to refresh or repair. Another particular version of that, when it's used in a different tone, that simple word shuv means to repent, to turn away from, to turn around, to return to Christ, choose to turn to Christ. Christ is the only one who can restore and refresh your soul. Your soul is composed of your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect and imagination. I think sometimes my imagination outruns my intellect. <laughs> Gets me in trouble. That whole digging thing comes into play there. But, uh, <laughs> but Jesus Christ is the only one who can turn, refresh, and restore your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, and your imagination. The only way to allow him to do that is when we surrender our soul to him. That we submit our life to him. Surrender every aspect of our life to Jesus. Surrender to the one who created us. God created every aspect of our soul. God created every aspect of our heart. 
God created every aspect of our very being. When you surrender to him, Christ will renew you. It's the, this, this new body, this new man that we hear about. Let his word restore you and let his power rebuild you. When you surrender to Christ, he will lead you, he will guide you, and he'll direct your path. We often talk about God's leading and guiding and searching for those paths. You know, that message I preach about the deer is titled, What Path Are You On? Because that deer I encountered that day was in the middle of the road. (laughs) Probably not the right path for a deer. We see the results of that quite frequently. The same goes for us. Many times we find ourselves on the wrong path. It's not the path that God designed for us. He created a different one for us to walk. Oftentimes we get lost searching for it. Because sometimes those paths are pretty thin. The Bible says that narrow is the gate that leads to righteousness. It's real easy to see that big old wide one. (laughs) That easy trail that leads downhill. When you get to my age, it's a whole lot better walking downhill than it is uphill. You know? But he allows us and he he guides us. He he directs our path. Psalms 23.3, again, only in the New Living Translation, kind of changes the verbiage a little bit. It says, he renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. So when we follow him, when, when when we go on the right path, we honor him in our life because we're where he intended us to be. And by doing so, we bring him honor. When you follow Christ, you'll bring honor to his name in everything that you do. When you choose to follow him, he will renew your strength. Your strength is found in him. You know, we find ourselves pretty weary these days. (laughs) I mean, we fight the fight. We live in the crazy world. And in the process of that, we wind up tired a lot. Sometimes it's emotionally tired. Oftentimes it's physically tired because we've worked hard. Have you ever felt spiritually tired? Just wore out? Not sure you can fight another fight? Hey, Jay, could you do me a favor? Could you get me like a... <laughs> I'm about to run off here. I'd preach out of a meat cooler, but I'd probably thaw the meat out. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> you never know what's going to come out of my mouth at times. Um, <laughs> but when we choose to follow him and we rely on his strength, and our strength comes from him, it puts us in a new place. It puts us in a new perspective. Oh, man, that's my own heart right there. Um, yeah. But our strength, our talent, our abilities, our gifts and influence, they all come from him. But I, I couldn't do, thank you, sir. I could not do what I do today. I couldn't stand here. This is not, this is not me. If, if this was just me, I'd be sitting on my sofa this morning looking at my picture window, thinking, boy, it's a pretty day. <laughs> I would not be standing in front of people. That is not 
who I ever expected to be in my life. That poem writing thing. Someone says, how do you do that? I don't know. <laughs> I just open up the, the, the page and I start writing because he's pouring something in. I, I, this is, I'm, I'm not that way. I'm not, I'm not that type of a person. Um, uh-oh. Now I did it. But everything about us, even our influence, comes from him. Or it should. We all influence people. How do you influence them? See, we lead people all the time. What path are we leading them down? Because God intended us to influence them towards him. Matter of fact, that call went out, not just to his disciples, but it went out to all of us as followers of Christ, that we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to, to share the story of his redemption and ours. Let Jesus lead your actions. Let him lead your thoughts. Let Christ lead the work of your hands. We, we don't often think about that, but sometimes just, just the job that we're involved in may be kind of mundane. <laughs> I mean, how do you bring honor to God mowing grass, right? It's just grass. But do you do a good job? Yeah. Why? Because you want to honor what it is you've been given to do. It's no different than punching cows. You bring honor to God by doing the job well for whoever has employed you. So it's, it's, we don't look at it sometimes that way. We forget about the fact that our image is His image that we're projecting. Or it should be. Let him lead your heart. There's a good one. <laughs> Let him lead your language. Yeah. I mean, we all know what it means to stub your toe or smash your hand. Or... But let God lead your language. You know, the Bible says that it's not what enters a man that defiles him. It's what comes out of his mouth. Mm. That's, that's a mean word sometimes because it's hard. <laughs> it's hard for us to gain control of our tongue. And yeah, I'm not talking about just cussing. I'm talking about tearing down somebody's character. I'm talking about bad-mouthing somebody. I'm talking about being mean-mouthing to our family, to our spouse. See, it goes way beyond just what we see it as cussing. I never was much of a cusser, even in my wild days. Just never saw the point. <laughs> Didn't make any sense. But I have been very, very mean-mouthed. I grew up being made fun of. Overweight my whole life. I was the fat kid. So I learned to tear somebody down before they could get to me. I gained the upper hand that way. And I became very cruel. <laughs> A lot of people today who meet me and I tell that story to they're like, uh-uh. Yeah, I was definitely a mean person. Um, had the potential to be very mean. How about this one? Choose, who, choose to follow him completely. Who, who do you follow today? Who, who leads you down what path? Because if we need to choose to follow him, 
That, that's the course that he gave us to follow his path, his way. In Jeremiah chapter 1, it says, He knew you before he reformed you in your mother's womb. He set you apart to be a voice to the nations. Now, I love Jeremiah's response. But God, I can't do that. I mean, Hannah, if, if I ask you today, hey, could, could you go call President Biden and, and tell him some things for me? Would, could you handle that? Why not? Ah, good. good call right there. He don't know his phone number. <laughs> but yeah, that's what God said to, 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 to uh, Jeremiah. He said, I've set you apart to be a voice to the nations. And Jeremiah's like, but God. Anybody ever done that? But God, can't do that. His excuse was, I'm just a kid. Nobody's going to listen to me. You know, I'm, I'm, just a, I'm just a hail chaser. I love that word. I'm just a hail chaser. Nobody's going to listen to me. I just mow grass. Nobody's going to listen to me. I, I just chase cows. Cows don't even listen to me. <laughs> you ever had that problem? Every once in a while. But you see what I'm saying? But, but the deal is, is, is God's called Jeremiah out. And he said, no, no, no. And I love how it goes on to say, and, I, and this isn't even part of my notes, this is all free. I love how it goes on to say that, look, I'll touch your mouth. I'll put my words in your mouth. Don't be afraid. Because I put my words in your mouth. It's no longer your voice. Mm, that's good. Choose to follow him. When Christ leads you, he'll refresh you every aspect of your life. Nothing can repair you like Christ. No one can make you whole except Jesus. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ that you are set free. What your soul is searching for is Christ. What your heart is longing for is Christ. Now that hole I mentioned that I said to my wife, you know, you feel the hole in my heart. Well, that's all cool and mushy. But think about it for just a minute. See, when we separate ourselves from Christ, we have a hole. He is the only one who can fill that. And that poem I wrote kind of talks a little bit about that. That it's only through Him that He can take those jagged, torn pieces and fit them back together perfectly. There'll still be a scar, because that scar is your story. That scar is what happened. See, I've got heart troubles, I've got extra plumbing. They've been in me several times. That, that, that cardio guy can look at the scar tissue on my heart because it tells a story. When we separate ourselves from God, that scarring is going to tell a story. But when we allow him to come back into there and fix that, to put himself back in that hole, he's the only one that will fit, then that scar tells our story of redemption. It tells our story of coming back to Him. What your soul is searching for is Christ. What your heart is longing for is Christ. Choose to surrender to Christ and He will refresh every dry place in your soul. Psalms 23.3 again, and again in a different version, says He refreshes and restores my life, myself. He leads me in the paths of righteousness and upright and a right standing with Him. Not for my earning, but 
for his name's sake. He doesn't do it for me. He does it for him because I represent him. He created me for his purpose. He created me for such a time as this. You are created for such a time as this. <laughs> you ever thought about that? Why else are you here? So I don't believe in happenstance or circumstance or coincidence. I think God plans everything about our lives. Sometimes we miss that. Sometimes we overlook it and we don't see it because we're looking at it from our angle. How will it benefit me? Not how it will benefit him. But we're created for his purpose. And you can take that all the way back to the very beginning when he created Adam. I like this. God cares so much about you that he numbers the hairs on your head. I've made it a lot easier on him lately. You don't have to count so much anymore. (laughs) But I mean, think about that. Why is that in there? That God cares enough about you that he numbers the hairs on your head? Why would he say that? Why would that even be recorded? Could it mean that he cares so much about me that he knows even that little detail? That's amazing. I mean, that's, that's unreal sometimes when you think about it. I mean, I don't want to count the hairs on somebody's head. I don't care how many they got. You know? I mean, I... I, <laughs> I could have told him this morning, well, God, there's 1327's gone. It's left in the airbrush this morning. You lighten your count a little bit. But think about that. Why? Why would he care so much to number the hairs in your head? Luke chapter 12, verse 7 actually refers to that. It says, but even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, oh, I love that word, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. He put that in there to tell you that I value everything about your life. You're valued more than any other creation. Christ cares about you. He cares about you so much that he numbers the hairs of your head. He pays close attention to every aspect of our life. Jesus cares about every detail of our life. He he cares about our past. He cares about our present. And he cares about our future. He died for you. Think about that for a minute. When's the last time that you can think of that somebody died for you? Anybody? I don't know of anybody who's given their life up specifically for me. Now, I know that our veterans have given their life for our freedom. But personally, no. It was about our country. I don't know anybody who's given their life up just for me. Except him, Jesus Christ. He died for you. His blood was shed so that he could make you whole. 
When you surrender to Christ, every bondage is broken. He breaks every chain. Just surrendering to the Lord breaks every chain. Now I know most of you don't think too much about carrying around log chains or anything. I actually wrote a skit years ago, and it kind of referred to that. It, it starts out with a couple sitting on the front row, all bound up with chains. The pastor gives an altar call, and these two people scoot to the front. He goes to praying over them, and those chains fall free. What a beautiful image. Let's get it in there. As the one's talking about how free they fell, the other one reached down and picked up one of these shiny new ones and starts carrying it with them. And the other person looked at him like, why are you doing that? Why are you taking that with you? God set you free from that. Well, I just got it. It's brand new. And, 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 and what if I need it again? How often do we do this? God sets us free, and before we even walk out of the building, we drag the very thing he set us free from with us. I did it all my life. All my life. Until that moment when I said, no more. God, this are, these belong to you, not me. And I walked away free. I walked away free from everything that was holding me from doing his purpose. Did I still fail? Did I still fall? Sure. Human nature. <laughs> it's frustrating at times. When you surrender to Jesus Christ, every generational curse is crushed and destroyed. I'm not a big proponent of the generational curse thing. I've had that spoken over me. My dad died at the age of 38 of a heart attack. One and done. I was 13 years old. I happened to be standing right in front of him, playing basketball. At the age of 34, I had my first heart attack. Somebody started talking about that generational curse stuff. And I said, I, I am not bound by that. Amen. Because I belong to Jesus Christ. You know what happened to me the first... The day before, the day before on a Saturday, my first heart attack came on a Sunday. I don't know why. But the day before, I had been working at a youth conference, running sound and doing the stuff for these guys. And they gathered around me when it was all over and said, man, we feel like we need to pray for you. I said, sure. They started praying over me and they spoke several things over me. I couldn't tell you anything that any of them said except for one. And I will never, ever forget those words. Because it excited me. See, what he said to me was, you are not yet doing what God has called you to do. I was excited. I mean, I guess you could take that as slap in the face, thinking, I'm giving him everything I got. I'm doing everything I know to do. But that's not how I took it. I took it as there's something ahead of me. And then the very next night, I'm wired up to all them gizmos and machines, and the doctor telling me, you've had a heart attack. I'm looking at the faces of my mother, who lost her young husband. I'm looking at the faces of my wife, looking at the faces of my children, who are all fearful that they're no longer going to have a dad. They're no longer going to have a son. And you know what I said to them? 
I said, y'all don't worry. I ain't going nowhere. Because God told me yesterday I ain't even doing what he called me to do yet. <laughs> Coincidence? I think not. I think not. When we surrender, he breaks those chains. When we choose Jesus, he vehemently cares for you. Now, I had trouble with this. I thought, I think I'm going to cut that word out of this message. Vehemently. <laughs> vehemently. But God vehemently cares for me? Well, I did the smart thing. I went to my buddy Webster to see what that really meant. And what Webster told, tells me is to vehemently care for me means that my God cares for me in a forceful, passionate, and intense manner with great feeling. He vehemently cares for you. He passionately cares for you. He'll fight for you. <laughs> He'll go to battle for you. Amen. He's not going to let go of you. What is that song? I won't relent. I won't relent till you have it all. <laughs> I love that. You were intricately crafted and placed here by God. You are set here in time by God for his good pleasure. Again, coming back to that, you are here for such a time as this. This is your time. This is your time. You are here because he mandated your life to be here right now. I know a lot of us struggle with sometimes with that. Like, God, what is my purpose? Why am I even here? I'm nothing but a mistake. I've worked in youth ministry for many, many years, most with at-risk youth, and you have no idea how many times I've heard that story. I was just a mistake. My parents don't even want me. They didn't want me. Well, guess what? It wasn't their plan. It was his. And when you can get a hold of the fact that God has a plan for your life, that you are here for such a time as this, that he intended your life to be here right now, and you allow him to use you in such fashion, you will change the world around you. Just because you allow him in your life. You're valuable to Christ. Your life has meaning. Your life has purpose. You were intricately crafted, placed here for such a time as this. You were created to give him glory. You belong to him. Not to anybody else. Amen. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ, in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We are in his craftsmanship, in his own workmanship. He created us into his good works and he's ordained us to walk in them. We're to walk in Jesus Christ. We're to walk in his path. We're to walk in his ways. We're to be a follower of Jesus Christ. See, I quit calling myself a Christian a long time ago. Because this world has so messed that word up. Everybody's a Christian. I ain't seen it yet, but that's what they're saying. So I changed and I began to say that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm going to follow his path. 
Does it mean from time to time that I trip and stumble or, or that maybe that path looks kind of cool? Did he go that way or did he go this way? You ever find yourself in that moment? Well, God, I think you'd have gone this way, you know, because I see a pond and fish jumping and surely you went that way. Mm. Sometimes we choose the wrong trail because we're not paying attention. He framed and shaped every aspect of your life. You were built and shaped in His image. I have to laugh at that sometimes. Because I look in the mirror and think, really? <laughs> Surely not. It's not a <laughs> Yeah, I know you're laughing. I did too. <laughs> I'm like, Surely God don't look like this. <laughs> Surely. But the, what he's talking about is we're shaped in his likeness. His form. I created this image. Too many tacos. <laughs> it is what it is. That's it. You know? But I mean, I'm in his likeness. He created us. And I love the passage of scripture. We actually see it in Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. That's so cool. I, I love the depiction of why God created man. And he created all this stuff. I mean, think about creation. Think, think about around you. If, if you were to sit on top of a mountain in the hills of Colorado, beautiful country. But just to sit up there and look. Look at everything around you. And you might see mule deer. You might see elk. You might see these beautiful little streams full of trout. This, this imagery, those, those quakey trees, those aspens. You know, and the dark timber. I mean, all these images. I mean, God had to look at that and think, yes, I did that. I'm not real sure why I did New Mexico or some of that. But anyway. But he had to look at this and think, this is awesome. But he sat on top of that mountain in Colorado looking at all this beautiful stuff and didn't have anybody to talk to. Didn't have anybody to share it with. And I love how Genesis describes this because he says, let us make man in our image. Huh? Let's make man in our image. So he later says, I made him in my image. But at first he used that our image. What was he referencing? The Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The three entities in one. Then he made man in his image. Why did he make man? Because he needed fellowship or he wanted, he desired a relationship. The, the Bible talks about Adam and him walked in the cool of the garden in the evening. I mean, honestly, can you imagine? Just... Chilling with God. That's awesome. And that's what he did. But then he looked at man and he thought, well, I mean, I, I'm pretty happy. You know, I've got somebody to relate to and walk with and talk with and can talk back to me. And it's better than petting a horse. You know, I mean, I like petting horses, but if they start talking back to me, yeah, you've probably been in the sun too long. But then he looks at man and he sees that 
He's incomplete. Even though he's got God for a relationship, he needed somebody he could relate more to. So he made woman. That support. That person that stands beside them. Gives him somebody to protect. Somebody to partner with. He created you with his purpose in mind. You are created to give him glory. You were created to reflect the heart of Christ in every area of your life. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. Anybody got any cares you're toting around? Because you just don't think he'll really want those? He says to give all our cares, all our burdens, everything that's weighing us down, all of our worries, every aspect of our life were to give to him and allow him to set us free. Choose to cast every weight, every burden, every care onto Christ. Choose to let the old man die and let the old way of doing things die. It comes in surrender. When we surrender our life to Christ, we're no longer ours, we're his. That's what he's calling us to. It's what his desire is. Get rid of who you are and become who he wanted you to be from the very beginning. Living your life according to his word. Choose to let Jesus live in you to crucify the lusts of the flesh and the entanglements of the world. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty of Wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Listen, man, when you give your life to the Lord, don't go back into the briar thicket. It makes no sense. But it's exactly what happens in that little skit by picking up that chain again. When he sets you free, walk away free. I actually preach a sermon that I've referenced as. Um, experience versus encounter. You see, we have a lot of experiences with the Lord in life. Altar times. Good worship song. It's a good experience. An experience is an emotional feeling. It's an emotional act. We, we might come to the altar and, and actually cry. Shed real tears. Big old gator tears. Because we're, we're sorry for maybe who we've become or what we've done. But the problem is that we leave this, this experience and we walk right back into the thicket we came out of. We don't change anything. So guess what? We're eventually going to find our way back here for that same issue, that same struggle. That's not what he wants. See, when you encounter God, an encounter with him changes you forever. You're never the same again. I won't reference any of those because there's a whole pile of them, but you think about it. I'll give you one. How about Saul on the way to persecute Christians? <laughs> Not only did Saul have an encounter with God, it was such an encounter it changed his name. Changed entirely who he even was. He became Paul. It's a great story. What would have happened if Saul would have had that experience with God on the road to Damascus and not surrendered. 
we wouldn't even have half the New Testament. <laughs> or at least it wouldn't have been written by Paul. When you are in Christ, he will undoubtedly set you free. Freedom is a choice. Liberty is a choice. You know, I, I talk to a lot to, to young couples that love's a choice. What do you mean love's a choice? I thought you fell into it or fell out of it. Uh, <laughs> that's not what happens. See, it becomes a choice. See, it becomes a choice to love someone. It becomes a, to love them through all their problems, all their strife, all their struggles. That, that's a choice. We hold on through the hardships so that we have those good times. It's a choice. Freedom is a choice. Liberty is a choice. Oh, but I hate this one. Entanglement is also a choice. That's not a natural thing. Entanglement is your choice. You choose to be tangled up in sin. You choose to be tangled up because he says, I set you free. When you choose me, I set you free. So when you fall into bondage, it's your issue. I, I, I came to terms with that quite some time ago. And it really bugged me. It really did. Because basically what I got out of all that was when I sin, when I stumble, when I fall, it's because I chose to. Ouch. I'd much rather blame it on something else. But I can't because it's my choice. It's also my choice to come out of that, to repent of that, to find my way back on the right path. Let God restore you completely from the inside out. Romans chapter eight, verse one and two. There is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. You're free. The law of Christ sets you free. You don't have to be tangled up in sin any longer. You don't have to carry around those chains. You don't have to carry around that burden. You can be free. Does it mean your problems automatically vanish in front of you? Eh, no. <laughs> Does it mean you'll not have any struggles or challenges? No. Does it mean you, you don't have to fight anymore? No. I had a young man in New Mexico in my youth out there. Did not have any foundation spiritually. Gave his life to the Lord and was serving wholeheartedly. And one night after a Bible study, these guys were, they had a Bible. <laughs> youth are fun. Are they not? <laughs> these, these guys decided to, to, do, to lead their own Bible study. And I told them, I ain't doing it. You got to do it yourself. So they did. I would show up on a Monday evening. I'd open up the youth building. I'd sit in my office, do my thing, while they held a Bible study. <laughs> it was fun to watch every once in a while. Because these, these, these guys were skaters, BMX bikers, you know, skate park kids. That's, that's what we had going on there. And uh, <laughs> I look in there one night, and I'm thinking, what in the world are they doing? They had one of the boys was laying on the pool table, and they're all gathered around him praying for him. That became their altar. You got a problem? Get on the pool table. We'll pray for you. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it was working, so I let it go. 
God did some crazy things through all of that. But he'll set you free. But it's your choice. As we bring this to a close, I'm going to do something I usually don't do. Um, seems to be a lot of that lately. Amber, you can go ahead and start that song. She played me this song earlier, and it's such a beautiful song. But I want you to listen to me intently here. This is your time to find your life, the life that God intended. It's why you're here this morning. It's why I'm here this morning. It's why everything happened the way it happened, because God orchestrates all of these things. You're not here today just because you decided to show up for church. You're here today to hear this message and allow it to penetrate your life at whatever level you may be, spiritually, doesn't matter. God will use these words to break chains in your life, to strengthen you, to encourage you, and, and maybe prod you a little bit. What I'd like you to do today is just bow your heads with me all across this place. I know that many of you in here are followers of Christ, that you have a, a current relationship. Maybe it's strained. Maybe you struggle. I mean, most of us will at, at times or always do. I know there may be some in here that don't know Jesus as their personal Savior, and they've just simply never taken that step. Or, or maybe you did at one point, and you've allowed the world to trip you up, and you've picked those chains back up, and you're carrying around that bondage again. I'm going to ask you to just repeat this prayer with me this morning. Just everyone in here. We pray this with you. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I repent of my sin. I turn to you. Father, I receive your Son. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I believe that Jesus Christ died and rose just for me. I believe that his blood washes me and cleanses me from all unrighteousness. Father, in you, I am set free. Father, through the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, my past is history and my future is bright. Father, in you, I am made new. Father, in you, I am complete. Father, in you, I am made whole. Father, in you, I am restored. Father, I surrender every area of my life to you now and forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you said that prayer today and you truly meant it, you're set free. You don't have to leave here carrying the baggage that you left or you carried in here. And I, I want to encourage you 
as, as we close, and I'm done, I want to encourage you, if you said that prayer and it carries a weight with it this morning, it is, it is something that you truly needed to do in your life, I want you to just come down here to this altar and leave that baggage here. Spend a little time in prayer. Let me pray with you if you'd like. But don't leave here carrying the same weight you carried in. Leave it here at His feet today. And walk out of here free in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank You for Your Word today. We thank You for the Spirit that's been in this house from the moment it started today with worship. God, the freedom in this house. Jesus, I ask You today to not let a single person leave here the way they came in. We got life change take place in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to come to the altar, I want to, I want to encourage you to come. I'll pray with you. I'll uh, visit with you whatever you need with me today.